0: So we've heard a lot about trusting the science through the COVID pandemic and through climate change and other things going on. But what is science and should we trust it? Welcome to The Conquering Truth, I'm Dan Horn. I'm Jonathan Sides. I'm Charles Churchill. And I'm Joshua Horn. The American people keep being told by the elites that we should just trust the science. I know when I was growing up that the definition of science that I was given was things that are developed using the scientific method that you come up with a hypothesis, you do an experiment to test that hypothesis, then you test it and see if it's true, you adjust your hypothesis, depending upon the, the results of that experiment. And one of the biggest things is that everything had to be tested and everything had to be reproducible for it to be considered science. But that certainly doesn't seem to be the modern definition of science. So, so what is science? What is the right definition?
1: When we're being told to trust the science, you have to recognize that science is a human endeavor. It's an attempt to understand the world, or at least in, when it's done appropriately, it's an attempt to understand the world in which we live and, and in a sense, our part in it. And how we can control it, manipulate it, you know, there's, there's meaning out there that can be uncovered and discovered. But science is something that humans do. And so you have to recognize that when you're being told to trust the science— there's a little bit of a bait and switch that's been happening lately. It's been it's been pushed as a political move, really, I and mean, what they mean is not trust the science, but trust the scientists. Um, and increasingly, what you've seen happening is that the scientists are coming to their public proclamations with an axe to grind, with an agenda. And so, so when you're being told to trust the science. What they would like you to think is that you're supposed to rely on an established set of practices, a body of knowledge that's generated by those practices. And if that were the case, then okay, you know, there's merit in that. We should listen to that. But effectively what they are saying is don't trust the science. Don't look into it yourself. Trust the scientists. We know what's best for you.
2: And it's also trust what we're telling you that the scientists say not necessarily what the scientists are actually saying.
0: What Dr. Fauci said during the COVID pandemic is he said attacks on me quite frankly are attacks on science. Well, he's not a scientist. He's a bureaucrat. He hasn't done science for like 50 years or 60 years. I mean, he he became a bureaucrat a long time ago. And so when he says it's it's moved beyond even trust the scientists, it's trust the people who have a science degree or trust the people who are the we bureaucrats that work in that field? Right. I read Scott Atlas's book about the COVID, you know, task force, and what he said is he kept bringing in scientific papers. And one thing that you could guarantee that Dr. Fauci would never do is read a scientific paper ever. Dr. Burks, who's out there now and wrote a new book, and she's trying to go. Oh, you know, I was always saying that vaccines wouldn't work. You know, Atlas again says, I kept giving her scientific papers to show what they were saying was wrong. And they would never read a scientific paper. That was just that's not in their ballpark. So to pretend like these people
3: are scientists. You mean like they would refuse? They would refuse. Okay. Or I wasn't sure if it was like this was not.
0: He said Redford, who's Fauci's boss at the time, that he at times would actually read them. But the other two would never read a scientific paper. So for him to pretend like he's a scientist, he doesn't really have any association with science. All he is is he's a bureaucrat who provides funding. But even if he were.
1: Right. No. I'm like <laughs> even you know, even if he were, this statement right here is problematic because I mean, this, is, <laughs> Beyond this is problematic. It's false. It's <laughs> no different than, than Louis XIV saying, I am the state. You know, Fauci is basically saying, I am science. You attack me, you attack science. That's the, the sum of what he's saying.
0: I don't know, the King of France has a better position to say I am the state than Fauci does but, to say I'm science.
1: You know, there's a there's a level of hubris there to, to in in either case. And you know, for Fauci to say something like this, I mean, one of the things that science is supposed to do under any kind of definition of it is science is supposed to be resilient under criticism. And if a given scientific practice or a given piece of of knowledge, hypothesis, whatever cannot survive some sort of criticism, then it's supposed to not survive that bit of criticism, and you're supposed to look for an alternative, find a new practice, you or realize, hey, we haven't arrived at truth here. Let's go look somewhere else. But if you just say, oh, you can't attack it, well, then almost by definition, you're not doing science anymore.
0: If you go back to what science came from, right, it's from the Latin word to know. And and when you look at that, the idea there is, like you said, it's to actually know things and if it's truth and if it's knowledge then you know true things that are astat- or that are you know match the world let me use that to say that they're true that you shouldn't have to worry about them being attacked because you'll discover truth and that's fine but if you don't want to discover truth instead you want to have a political agenda then you're going to hate it and you're going to attack it because the point isn't to say what is truth the point is to say what further's my political agenda
3: I mean, when you get to that, what you said is the word science meant to know. And then beyond that, like Jonathan said at the beginning, there were these set of processes that you would go through to know things because you believe the world is reliable, you believe the world is repeat, you know, that things can be repeated. And then to be called a scientist, to be called a scientist, what it means is is that your adherence to those things because of your belief in how you can know things is so stringent that you will not let anything come between you and what's necessary to know things. And so there's this part of it where when we call someone a scientist, that's what and if they call themselves a scientist, that's what they're asserting about themselves. And so but we've we've removed it and go you're a scientist because that's your occupation, because that's what you were hired to do, because you're wearing a lab coat, because you're, you know, standing with a group of other people who say that they're doing this because you're at a convention because there's all these other reasons that people are called scientists and the answer the truth is is the only reason you're a scientist is because of your your steadfast adherence to that principle
0: or that you should be called a scientist right that's the only reason to to legitimately, a political label right. as opposed to being something that actually means and has some right. some weight and to some extent what they're doing is borrowing from a history to then give themselves weight that they shouldn't be given I do think it's important for us just to recognize how close knowledge and science are to each other. When the King James translated you know, Daniel 1.4, it says, "'Children in whom was no blemish, "'but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, "'and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, "'and such as had ability in them "'to stand in the king's palace, "'in whom they might teach the learning "'and the tongue of the Chaldeans.'" That word science in the modern translation is all translated knowledge, because we've created this separation between science and knowledge that didn't used to be there now I'm not saying that they were good at adhering to actually knowing things but at least say associated science with knowledge as opposed to now it seems to me it's more associated with opinion than it is actual
3: knowledge and people have known things for a long time before there were laboratories right I mean right there I mean and that's that's kind of fundamental here is that it's not like we just all of a sudden one day somebody said, hey, I've invented a test tube. Now we can know things. There have been ways to know things all along. And Daniel was a person that they looked at and said, you know things and you're able to know things. You're even able to learn. You're able to learn a foreign language. I mean, which is another. I mean, and so there's this there's this very practical aspect of that.
2: So before we get into the, a war on science, we need to know what what science is. So this is what the Oxford languages definition of science is the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment
0: and so i don't think that's a bad definition i just think that that's not how it's used colloquially now it's used in much more (laughs) in much more political ways
3: they leverage the fact that you're assuming that you're assuming that this has been done, and because you're assuming that this has happened, that's a useful thing. And since that's a useful thing, well, why not use it to, like, as a weapon to batter other people around and tell them that if you disagree with someone who's done this, they're obviously wrong and obviously an idiot.
2: So so somewhat like, you know, like like there's people, I, I need a pastor. Well, do they are they discerning whether this pastor they're getting is one that's actually... You know, knows God and is founding his, what he's saying on the Bible, or is it just somebody who calls himself a pastor? He's been
3: to seminary. Spouts, yeah, and
2: spouts his own opinions. <laughs> right. So I mean, maybe that's a, a, a similar type problem. Right.
0: And I do think that's, you know, when we look at these things, when we see the movement, right, I mean, we shouldn't expect, as we go through modernism and postmodernism, and the idea is what is truth, we shouldn't aff- expect that not to affect science because that's essentially what happened as science has adopted the postmodern view, is, well, this is my truth, so I'm going to say I'm a scientist, so you have to believe my truth, even if I can't prove it, even if it doesn't match reality, it's my truth, you have to believe it. And so there is, you know, the society, the, the theological, theological underpinnings of a society, they're going to affect how you decide what's true,
2: and that will always affect science. So, so has it? A, are we saying that it has affected science, or or that it is affecting science? Because you know, there's types of things where, I mean, like like some things, it's obviously being affected. Like you look at like in medicine, uh, like the the rates of certain diseases vary by race, you know, in the United States. And but some of those things, it, not so popular to say that anymore. In fact. You know, I don't I don't have examples, but I think people have gotten in trouble for for saying things that for years have been kind of established facts of science. But now it doesn't accord with people's personal truths. So now it's being thrown out or or, you know, so many doctors and things are now calling it birthing, birthing parent instead of woman when because that's something that is offensive to people. But, But how deep has that penetrated into the scientific establishment?
0: Well, when you start to look at medical schools, medical schools, I mean, they're teaching CRT as a basic philosophy through which, and I think the AMA recently passed something saying that all medical schools, to be to be certified by them, have to do this. They have to teach all classes through the lens of CRT. In other words, you're not allowed to say sickle cell anemia is much more common among blacks. You have to say, well, it's because of the the yeah, you know, the history of oppression and stuff is why sickle cell anemia is prevalent among blacks. So all of a sudden you should look for it in other people that were oppressed? Well, no, it's actually very related to you know, to the actual race. But yet they're teaching them never to consider anything on a racial basis except for the oppression in the The destruction and that every you know and so everything comes back to the systemic racism that's throughout your system is why everything happens and so in medical schools that's their that's how they're teaching people to treat people is based on CRT I mean it's insane I mean it's just absolutely insane right because they're saying that that how you treat a woman shouldn't be because she's a woman. It's because she was subjected to racism or to, to sexism. Sexism, And that because of that, that's why she has the health issues that she does, not because she has ovaries. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, when you think about it, you know, and this is where the birthing parent comes out of and everything is that, that it's just this complete rewriting of what we would consider science.
1: I mean, you, one of the ways that you could say it's affected science or, or it's it's worth detailing why there, it would be inescapable for it not to affect science is because there is a significant shift from thinking that knowledge is somehow attached to truth, which would have been… The general view of that, hey, you know, now exactly what truth is, exactly how knowledge connects to it, lots of theories out there. But there was always an understanding that the goal of of any kind of endeavor where you're trying to increase knowledge is really you're you're looking for truth. But when you divorce those two, when you say knowledge and truth don't have anything to do with each other, uh, maybe because you don't think truth really exists, then you're left with knowledge is just a political tool. Knowledge is power, for example. And and what you mean by that is not that if you know true things that you will have power. What you what you're saying there really is that at its base level is that that knowledge really is just something that you use in order to wield power over somebody else because there's nothing else. You know, you just reduce the world to power struggles. And then if you think, okay, this is this is our common understanding as a result of the, the decay of modernism into postmodernism, then what you're left with is that well, we've got this one endeavor over here that's goal, its stated aims are to find knowledge. Well, there's it's absolutely inescapable that you're not going to look at that endeavor as a way of, hey, I'm just going to leverage this for my own political ends because it's power, and I'm going to find power by using this endeavor.
0: And when you see both of those being driven in the same place, which is the university, you can't, right, If if one's being driven by industry, right, like making things and things like that where you're actually connected to truth and another one is philosophy, then you can you can maintain that, you know, you can maintain the seeking for truth, but when you put them both in the same, you know, under the same, you know, the, the president of the same university, what you're going to have to do is they are going to be melded together. And so much science quote unquote is done in universities that those philosophies that are running through those universities they're going to affect that so-called
3: science and I think if you go back to Joshua's question of has this been affecting science or is this affecting science when you talk about like the birthing parent the birthing person versus you know and that sort of thinking it's really fundamentally no different than what Darwin was doing because what Darwin was doing is Darwin said we're going to look at these attributes in the world and I'm going to come up with a narrative that suits that ties these attributes together. I'm not I'm not going to prove anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to say I see these I see these specific observations and the observations are legitimate. And then they're going to come back and they're going to say, and then I'm going to tie them all together with a theory, and then we're just going to accept this as reality. And there were things keeping that from moving too fast. But now we've gotten to the point where you can say, I'm going to see this attribute, so this person is trying to appear like a man, and yet the person has ovaries. And so I'm going to say that that is the truth. I'm going to say I'm going to tie these things together just by looking at the attributes I want to look at and so there's this part of it where we've been on this steady march for quite a long time it's just that we weren't willing to accept it down we keep moving things that will say no this is true and we know this and we keep surrendering it and we keep surrendering the next level of what we know and the next level of what we know until we know absolutely nothing and can claim nothing
1: I mean the really interesting thing about Darwin the really interesting thing about Darwin is that there have been plenty of atheists and agnostics but until Darwin, they didn't have an attractive and semi plausible story for how things came to be and Darwin provided a narrative with details right you know he provided this this great science fiction story that all of a sudden it became you, it was possible to be intellectually respectable and an atheist at the same time, which prior to Darwin was not really. It was not something that was done. I mean.
0: Right. And the reason the narrative was so widely accepted
1: was because his narrative was
0: to explain why Englishmen were inherently better than blacks. Right. That's what it was about. It was about the superiority of certain races over other races. And so his audience loved it. Right. Because the narrative matched what they wanted to believe.
3: Right, it had, because nothing a, it had nothing to do with Christianity made it.
0: Christianity is saying something else we're all of one blood. Well, that you don't want that if you want to be superior. And so Darwin comes along with a theory that says we are superior.
3: And lots of so-called Christians were willing to go along Absolutely. with this. I mean, it's, I'm not you're, no one's saying everyone who called but, and this is important, everyone who says they're really pursuing science isn't really pursuing science. Just because you say you are, just because you're saying, hey, the only thing I want to do here is X, doesn't mean that's all you want to do. All want to do is do. discover
0: the truth. Right. People lie all the time. Right. And
3: so, I mean, and that's that's
0: really important. We talk about, and the Bible talks about, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But right after that, it says in Proverbs 1, 29 through 31, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord— they would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. That's modern science. They hate the knowledge of God. They hate the fear of the Lord because the church hasn't been teaching the fear of the Lord for 140 years in America. And so there is a hatred of the fear of the Lord. And if you hate the fear of the Lord, then you get, you're filled to the full with your own fancies. And that's what so much of what science is now right? That's why they're so afraid of climate change. That's why they're, they want to believe in evolution, all these things, is they're filled with their own fancies because they don't want knowledge. They hate knowledge. And so while science is supposed to be about knowledge, what they've done is they've turned to fancies, like Darwin did, where he just comes up with a fancy because, rather than fearing God, because they hated knowledge, they came up with this theory that, that really doesn't match the real world well at all.
3: And Darwin didn't necessarily want his theory for the same reason that his listeners did. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying Darwin didn't like to bind the idea that Englishman was this, but Darwin really well. Was, he sold it that way. He was, so. but he. what I'm saying is though was he was at, in, at the individual levels. He's at war against God, right? I mean, he's going. How do I suppress the truth and unrighteousness in this particular way? And you can even look. I mean, this is what he's looking for, and at the same time, he's facilitating the sins of others. I mean, when you think about fancies, in the end, fancies, they're not. They're not always sins but they are in the end because in the end they're they're done they're not done for god's purposes they're not done for god's glory so they are sinful they're always going to be things that facilitate man's sinful desires and so there's this part of it where sin becomes the government wants to exert its power so it looks to a scientist and says give me an excuse to exert my authority over people and the science scientist runs off and says oh here here this everybody should have to wear masks because masks you know i mean and and this is the standard way of things: is that you're you're facilitating your own desire, but you're also trying to facilitate the desires of those around you, so they'll accept your ideas, so that you can suppress the truth and unrighteousness, they can suppress the truth and unrighteousness, but you don't you don't ever say that's what you're doing.
2: Right, and, and I, you know, going back to Darwin for a minute, I mean, the I don't think the claim is that he didn't do, he didn't do any science. You know, when he's looking at the birds and the Galapagos right. and the animals and making observations about them, you know, that's science. You know. He's looking at the birds, uh, and he, and even when he's saying, "Okay, so what does this tell me about things that have gone on in the past?" I don't think that's inherently separate from science, even though you know it's less grounded on your actual actual observations. It's kind of extrapolating that back. Uh, the problem is when you start to deny you know knowledge, you know if you start to deny God, well now you're based on something that's not knowledge, and so the results that you get from that you know, from your own motivations of your personal war against God, that's when you start to get into problems.
0: But I would argue that from the beginning, even when he looks at two islands and says that the birds are different, that's a valid observation. You can put that in the category of knowledge, the category of science. But when he therefore goes, that means that there's evolution. Well, no, that's just opinion. That is no longer in the scientific realm. That is just opinion. You have an opinion, a hypothesis, and then you go and you come up with this an experiment to try to prove that hypothesis, which then he would be doing something to try to build the knowledge. But he wasn't. All he was trying to do after he gathered knowledge that was legitimately, a legitimate scientific pursuit – after that, he just wanted to express his opinion.
2: So, so someone who's a creation scientist and say, you know, I look at this tiny flood and then I say, OK, here's what a tiny flood is. So let me then extrapolate that greatly to say here's what a worldwide flood would be like. You know, is the difference between that what they're doing or is the difference between that their premise and ones based on a premise of you know i want to disprove god and provide an explanation for for the world without god versus the other one saying i'm going to take you know a pretty sm- you know i'm going to take you know the start with the basis of you know believing the bible you know is is it really is it the difference in extrapolating it backwards cuz you can't you can't do a you can't run an experiment on the whole world right and so in the
0: end you can't say by by any scientific pursuit that we decide there was a worldwide flood what you can say is based on scientific pursuit that you say, okay, because a flood looks like this, these are the things we would expect to see, and therefore we see them. So it confirms that there could have been a scientific or, or could have been a flood. But science is never going to prove the existence of a flood. Because you can't do that. The, what you have to do is know somebody that was there, somebody that, that could relate what happened, because otherwise God could have created the world, you know, hundred years ago with everything in it and there wasn't a flood but yet by science you couldn't distinguish between those two it's just outside of the realm of science
3: to even go back to your example with the fruit flies even if darwin had done the study with fruit flies it wouldn't have shown him that the birds that the, that that happened to the birds you know what i mean there's this part of it where he it's could just go, saying ob- it could have happened right to the he birds could go or- i've observed this this is a reasonable thing to say that might have happened but in the end he wouldn't be able to say i know this and i know this with any form of certainty just like like you said i've known people before who they there are hydrodynamicists who have built models and have tried to model the worldwide flood. And the answer is is we don't know that much from their models. I mean, and they'll, if they're really honest, they'll even go, I'm taking shots at things. And some of these things match certain things. And some of these things are interesting. And I keep tweaking. My, but they don't know things from their models. And people want to say they know more than they know. And that's, that's a big and, part and, of our, and, our, false, our false understanding of science. And
2: even sometimes if you read you know, the original papers – you know, there's a claim that's put out there, you know, say the dinosaurs were X, Y, and Z. So here's a fact about dinosaurs. And you, but you go back and read the paper, and the paper, you know, it couches it in, you know, careful language, saying this raises the distinct possibility that blah, this, that, and the other. And often, they're not even asserting things as 100% true. Right. But then, you know, when it gets out there, maybe those, <laughs> the saw, those people, or popular science, now suddenly this has become we know this about the past. When The scientists themselves may not be claiming that.
0: I mean, I think that's an important point, that a lot of the people that we call scientists, they're not scientists. They're salesmen. They're salesmen, or they're they're publicists. They're just out there. I mean, like Carl Sagan. I mean, he's like this well-known scientist. He didn't really do much science. What he did was he was a spokesman, right? I mean, he was a spokesmodel for— Bill
3: Nye the science guy. Bill (laughs)
0: Nye the science guy. They don't really—they aren't scientists. They're just people who are giving a face to science— But like you said, they frequently twist what's actually the underlying science and exaggerate it way beyond what the original papers would have said.
3: Because Bill Nye, the guy with a bachelor's degree and who looks good on camera, doesn't sound as good.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, another shift that happens in America is with the Scopes trial. Where before that, in science class, you were supposed to learn science. But in the Scopes trial, what they did was, even though they lost, right, which is where they start to teach evolution in schools, what it really is is a dramatic shift because what they're saying is the science class is no longer about developing science and to understand how you develop knowledge. It's you're basically teaching an opinion as fact where you go, yeah, it's a, the theory of evolution, but this is really true. And that's a really big shift because all of a sudden we've trained, you know, now we've trained for what, almost 100 years. We've trained people in the idea that science isn't knowable or provable or that you can, you know, reproduce it. It's we have this opinion, and that better be true, and you better agree with it. And that really, I mean, it is it is evolution that causes that shift in that view. That's in, you know, that's widely in public schools today. They don't. A lot of the stuff that they teach as science is, you know, as as Paul wrote to Timothy, it's so-called
3: science.
2: But but, but don't you also have that problem before then? Because I mean, there's been other you know, scientific constructs that are accepted as, you know, nope, that was the
3: first time anybody ever lied. It was at the Scopes trial. Before that, everybody told the truth. I'm saying in America <laughs> there was a shift. I'm
0: not saying anyplace else. But what I'm saying is all of a sudden opinion got accepted
3: as science. I don't think most people think that they lost.
0: Right, he got fined $100 or
3: something. Right, I mean, because if, if you watched Inherit the Wind, which, I mean, most people probably haven't watched Inherit the Wind, you wouldn't think that they lost. And so there's this part of it where, I mean, you know, I mean, even the the fact that they lost got changed, the scientific basis, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, that even got changed. And so, I mean, yeah, it's it's fairly interesting.
0: That's what I argue that there really is. Uh, and it's been there for a long time. And again, it's the theological underpinnings of a society that decided, but... When you lose, you know, a connection between, as Jonathan said, a connection between knowledge and truth, which is when Jesus Christ is the truth, that's your connection, right? And so if you reject Christ so that there is no truth, now all of a sudden everything can float, and it becomes my opinion is the most important thing, and if I'm more important than you are, knowledge is power, so therefore I will force my opinion on everybody else, and it doesn't matter if it's true or not. And and, and, and
1: recognize that when we talk about... Darwin, when we talk about the Scopes trial, at that time, they're not divorcing knowledge from truth. They think that evolution is true. They're pushing it as true. But the problem is is when you reject the fear of God as premise number one, there's nothing that's preventing you from devolving into all we have is opinion and power. And There's you know, nothing stopping that train.
0: They believe that they're still connecting truth and knowledge, but at the same time they're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. They are suppressing truth while they're saying they're holding on to truth.
3: There's this part of it where I think it's really easy as you look at this, and we talk about historical shifts, to go that the shift was the cause of it. The shift wasn't the cause of it. The shift was the result. And it was the result of the church. I mean, what you're saying, I mean, mean, just—and that just really needs to be the way that these things aren't things that we should look at and go, these things can't be turned around— no, they really can't. They can the, the, be turned around pretty easily. The church dr- the church really does drive these things. And the tr- God drives these things and he drives them through his church. And so the church turning towards back towards the fear of God would have an incredible and immediate impact on the world.
0: And you read the passage again from from Proverbs 1. It does not say that believers or that unbelievers hate knowledge. The ones that hate knowledge are people who refuse to fear God. There are plenty of people who fear God that that aren't saved. Right. When the church teaches the fear of God, then it actually has a big impact on the society without their salvation, because it's fear of God that's being talked about. They're not salvation. It doesn't say everybody that, that, you know, is unsaved, they hate knowledge. It's saying if you hate knowledge, you will not fear God. And if you don't fear God, you'll hate knowledge.
3: Right. Nebuchadnezzar had knowledge before he before he was made to eat grass like a donkey, and before God brought it, and we we see something that looks like salvation in him. He had knowledge before that point,
0: and he had fear of God before that point. When you know, right? When uh, you know, Daniel comes and says that this is what's going to happen in Daniel 2. I mean, he he announced to the world that that there was fear of God. That this is a God that's different than the other gods. Right.
3: As we've kind of been talking about Darwin and the Scopes trials and these different things, where you see this shift. I mean, let's let's read First Timothy six twenty two twenty one. Old Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradiction of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. And, I mean, Paul's directly addressing what we deal with in the world today, that there are people who, they have profane and idle babblings, and they call it knowledge. They say what i I mean, when Fauci says, if you attack me, I am science, I mean, that by itself is a profane and idle babbling. I mean, there's, there's no basis for saying that. I mean, there's ad hominem, attack, ad hominem attacks, but that's like a reverse ad hominem. The man is the argument. I mean, that's, that's, there's no basis for that. And so Paul's really, Paul's really cautioning Timothy because in the end it affects people. I mean, in fact, you can find two sermons by Charles Spurgeon where he references the evolutionary theory. Where he talks about how the scientists have seen how the world existed for a long period of time before Adam and how there you know and how there were organisms that lived and died before Adam. And I, I am not attacking Spurgeon here. I'm not saying that. Well, I mean, for that
0: I mean, you should to some level. I, I'm
3: saying Spurgeon I mean, but I'm saying I'm not going Spurgeon was a heretic, Spurgeon but Spurgeon wasn't thinking about what these things impacted. He wasn't thinking that Scripture had told him things that he should know, that he should say this does not conform to what i already know and to ask how do they know these things to ask how are they what's their basis for saying they know these things we'll try to link these in the description but if you read them you can see there where spurgeon has basically said he hears a scientist talking in his day or someone that he trusted and he took their vain bat their idle babblings and contradictions and he brought it into his knowledge and he let it impact his view of scripture
0: and i mean just when you think about that right the idea that things lived and died before adam that means that there is no purpose for christ you have just eliminated him because if there's death before adam christ came to to redeem the world right romans 8 i mean it's a big deal to say there's death before adam right and so when we talk about you know that and i'm not saying that he left the faith but i am saying it caused him to stray concerning the faith that's a real stray and it caused him concerning to teach the people faith people
3: things if people heard him say that there's just i mean and and We've I mean, all done things like that at times. It's a really big... I mean,
0: <laughs> it's good that we're not on Spurgeon's level where that many people are
3: reading what we say. Right. And so, but, I mean, there is this real part of it where, I mean, yeah, it, it, it matters those things that you believe.
0: But it, it's important to understand what happened, you know, after Darwin, which is Darwin and his teaching that fancy, that, that, that he comes up because he hates knowledge, that, you know, what is falsely called knowledge, or in the King James that's translated science, what's falsely called science... By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. I mean, Darwin misled a bunch of people about the nature of creation, which gave them an excuse to ignore God and say God didn't exist. I mean, there's a bunch of people who strayed concerning the faith because of it. And so when we think of these things, we just need to recognize these have, like, real impacts on the church. Paul writes so-called knowledge, right? I mean, one thing that Christians need to understand is that, you know, when when Christ says he's the truth— that encompasses all. We In him we live and move and have our being, right? I mean, there's this picture that God is the truth. And so one thing that Christians should never be afraid of is pursuing the truth, because the truth is never out of alignment with God. But we should also recognize that those who are at war with God, they're not going to want to seek the truth, because to seek the truth, what you find in the end is God.
3: And there's a part of it where we need to understand that in our fallen nature even even among those who are saved there is still a fallen aspect to us and so even though we may god changes our desires so a saved person does not have a fundamental desire to suppress the truth there are still the old man in them that they can there are, there are practices that they can follow There are patterns that they can follow after in themselves and then there's just their their fallibility and their ability to fail they need to understand that there is a, the fallen part of the world is at war with God in a way. And there and then there are those that are actively at war against God, actively trying to suppress the truth. And so there's this part of it where when you think about that, when you think about these things, just be really aware there is an active war going on against these things. We see this with the politicization of science.
0: When socialism comes in as a widespread philosophical and political thought in the United States, which really comes in with FDR, somewhat before that, but like FDR really creates a shift towards socialism far more than Hoover did before him. But when that happens, that the idea that, that science is, you know, or that knowledge is power, and so therefore science is a useful tool, you know, that's where you see a big shift in our country where the government tries to take over science. And when they take over science, they're taking over science because, well, first of all, they say if industry is doing it and the universities are doing it, then they'll go do the wrong things and so it will be too political so therefore we'll bring it as part of the government so that it won't be political this is their arguments when they when they established the national science foundation
3: there's a little bit of suppressing of the truth and unrighteousness <laughs> in that argument
0: but they were also saying we need to take over all manufacturing they're saying it about a whole bunch right. of things that that if all the people together right yeah, which is kind of the social idea. Tower you know? of Babel. <laughs> exactly, the Tower of Babel. That we need to take over science in order to make sure they're actually pursuing truth rather than pursuing
3: pragmatic interests. And this is, and this is effectively trust in man versus trust in God. Because there's a part of it where, I mean, one of the reasons why, we, why there is and there should be freedom and agency among people is because God is orchestrating the world. And whenever any organization says we need to orchestrate the world, even the Church of Jesus Christ, it has not been given to them to orchestrate the actions of everyone. It has been to set things in order. It has been to point them towards God. It has been to say that these are the things we should do. It's not given to us to orchestrate things at this fine, granular level. But it is given to—I mean, when the government says that's how we want to do it, it it is pure idolatry of man.
0: And we shouldn't think that this isn't continuing because, I mean, this idea is continuing, right? Uh, President Biden and his budget for next year wants a 20 percent increase in the the NSF. And the reason he wants a 20 percent increase in the NSF is right now they're not even funding 50 percent of the scientific research that's done in the United States. It's been, you know, it's mostly done by industry now. So they have to do 20 percent budget increases year after year during his his presidency, in order to get it back how it should be that the government is dominating because they're afraid they're losing domination. So the idea that this is accidental or something, no, this is something that is still current and active, that over, you know, you look at, you know, you look at SpaceX and all these other things that are going on, there's all of a sudden all kinds of research that's being done that the government's going, we should own this.
2: Yeah. And of course, it's not even that we want to control it but we want to control it in a centralized way because spacex how do they make their money a lot of government contracts so they're effectively funded by the government you know universities you know that's not, not necessarily all national science foundation but those are still you know a lot that's a lot of government funding um you know private industries like you know boeing and whatnot you know that's a lot of in industry research funded by the government
1: i mean there is a bit of a conundrum because you want to say oh what the ideal would be pure science, science that doesn't have ulterior motives. And if well if your funding's coming from industry, well then you have these motivations to find out the thing that your client, the, the person who's funding your research, wants you to find out. They want you to tell them that their vaccine's going to work. You know, and so so that's one of the arguments that's given for government funding is okay, mm-hmm. you can have sort of a disinterested you know, they're, you're not motivated by wicked corporate greed, but but that's just absolutely <laughs> naive to think that that's that that is a, a reasonable alternative that helps you avoid those kinds of pitfalls. To think that the government has no interest in the outcome of particular kinds of of science that oh here we'll just give you money and you go find out what you find out.
0: And even when you think about that, it's absurd on the face, right? Is that really what people want to pay taxes for? Is that, oh, we're just going to give you a bunch of money and you can go figure out, you can find out whatever you want to find out. Like, that's helpful. Why would you basically, at the point of a gun, which is how all taxes are collected with the threat of, of, you know, physical violence towards you, throwing you in prison, you know, if they said, hey, yeah, why don't you donate to have this scientific research done? Most people wouldn't donate. So at what point does the government have the right to use force to do it? At least the industry is saying this, we believe that we'll have a, it will have a return on our investment. Instead, what we say is that we should force people to, to invest in science and to do science that they maybe don't care about.
2: And, and you, if you look at another, you know, uh, you know another study of truth um, that's not science, but you look at the media, you know, government funded media, that's something that we don't have as much of in the united states but that's another thing where people you know the media groups are supposed to be putting out truth but in america we see big problems with having the government fund the truth and while science doesn't always have the same day-to-day impact on the government that the media does you know ultimately it comes down to the same thing do you want the government to be the one saying this is what truth is media is bad enough without the government running them. Right. (laughs) Well, let's not
0: deceive ourselves. The government has a lot of influence in the media, right? Because they go, we're not going to go on your program. So, you know, you can starve a program very easily. There's a reason why President Biden chooses which programs to go on. I mean, it, it is them controlling, not to the level that the USSR was controlling the media. I don't mean that. But there is real, real influence that the government has that they do by shutting people off and they don't give them access and they do other things to control it but it's not it's not at the same level as science.
3: And there's even the idea that Jonathan mentioned like pure science like and there's this part of it where I'm not sure that pure science exists in one in one real you know I mean there's this part where we've there's this kind of idealized form of pure science and I'm not saying that well there's this part of it where people want to pretend like that's something you can go and do and I mean it's, it's kind of a kid with a trivia book you know what I mean it it's you just sit down and you read facts and you memorize facts and you do these things and it and it makes you feel like you've done something and it makes you feel really smart but you haven't accomplished anything you can't actually do anything and so there's this part of it where we again there's sort of an idolatry of man behind even our idealization of knowledge because it's we're we're divorcing knowledge from god we're divorcing knowledge from god's purposes
0: right because the purpose of man is to take dominion of the earth. I mean, one of the purposes of man. And so to say that there's a pure science that has nothing to do with dominion, why would we think that exists? Because that's not how God designed the world. That's not what God gave us responsibility for in the world. So to say that there's this ideal thing that doesn't have any practical implication, why would we believe that exists? We have no basis to say that there is such a thing. And even things like, you know, you look at and you think of quantum theory. Well, that pretty quickly proves to have some application in like, bombing. Um, But, like, all these things where they even try to come up with these theories just for the sake of seeking a theory, what they keep finding out is there's applications for them.
2: And I think, you know, one thing that's worth considering is, you know, so the government is funding things. So does that mean we should just, you know, discount anything that's funded by the government, any science? Um, But I think, you know, you look at the way that science is done in the United States, and there is still a certain uh, respect for the truth. So, you know, you know, are there, there are cases out there where people, you know, scientists will just completely in their, you know, original paper, you know, their gold standard of the research that they have done, not in, you know, the summaries, but you go back to, here's what they're saying. This is what I have done. You know, you can find cases where they just fake it. It's just fraudulent, but, you know, there's a lot of, but, but that's not as common, thankfully in the U S as other things where, you know, is controlled by, the government controls it by saying what am I going to get funding to? So while they're not going to necessarily just fake data, they just might not. You know, they're not interested in funding anybody who is trying to do something that disproves what they, in their minds, know is the truth. So like, you know, you know, try getting you know funding to you know study a worldwide flood from the National Science Foundation.
0: Don't think that's going to happen. But we do need to not be naive about the fact of how much it affects it. For instance. You look at climate change. I mean, they keep changing the numbers from 30 years ago to make their climate change arguments. Well, they're not doing that because they have any integrity. They're doing it because if you don't come with the right results, you will not get any more funding. So you have to lie if that's what's necessary. And there's plenty of scientists that will. And the pressure is enormous to do it because you're working for a university, and the university what percentage does a university get? Like seventy percent of the grant or something. I forget what the number is, but it's it's a significant part. And all of a sudden, you're not going to get tenure. You're not going to. I mean, it it's a system that builds on itself that you have to produce the results that they want, or you won't get funded again. And so people come up with the results, and now some do a better job of of uh, massaging the data to make it look more realistic than other ones do. But there's a huge amount of pressure. We shouldn't expect in our culture, with the with the average character of Americans, we shouldn't expect there not to be a lot of fraud. There would be.
2: Sure, and, but but you know, there's a type of change that you can make because some changes to the data are legitimate. Like say, you know. You know, anti-global warming people say, oh, well, you look back at the science or that where they're doing the weather stations and there's more asphalt by it. So the temperatures are naturally going to go up. So they're do, they're going in and they're saying the numbers, the raw numbers need to be modified. Um, but, you know, someone most, you know, climate scientists are have... Way, absolutely zero incentive to do that because if they're out there as a global warming hoax person, someone saying that global warming is a hoax, they're not going to have a future in climate science. So, you know, any changes that they are going to make, you know, you know, they might even ju- justify in their own mind to say that the change that I'm making is legitimate. But, you know, they have so much incentive not to do it in a certain direction because it will end their career. Right. And so but when you look at those numbers and they change
0: like every year and some of them change almost every year that they change the numbers that they you know, from from 50 years before. Well, you have to say that that is, you know, at, at best, it's just their bias that they don't recognize. But that's even pretty hard to see when it's so consistent in one direction. And the reality is they wouldn't get funding otherwise. And they have families to feed. And they have the university that's dependent on the research money that they bring in. And they have grad students that are dependent on it. And and so they justify it. Right. Especially if you're saying truth is detached from knowledge. Why wouldn't you justify it? Right. And even the gold standard stuff. The problem is they say they're gold standards. But what they're also trusting is that almost nobody will read the studies. Because a lot of the studies that they hold up and say they're great studies I mean you know I have a degree in physics but I haven't done anything in physics since I graduated from college but yet I read these studies and go well this is clearly fraudulent not not fraudulent in the sense of that they made up data but fraudulent in the sense that the study that the experiment wouldn't produce the results that they say they're testing for and so they can still do that and do a gold standard study, but if you don't read it or you don't have enough knowledge to – and I'm not saying it takes some expert knowledge. I'm saying it takes some basic knowledge to read it and go, no, you have, you have eight people in a room with a hairdresser, which was their, their study that they said this proves the use of masks – and none of them got sick, so therefore everybody should wear masks. That was the one that the CDC had first on their
3: website, right?
0: To say this is the study that we're basing. And it wasn't
3: on. even it wasn't even a study. I mean, I mean by by any standard of what you would really call a study, that's not a study.
0: It was no control group. It was not. It was right. just. Uh, it was an anecdote. But
3: they called it a study, right?
0: Because they studied what happened at this. They observed what happened at this one hairdresser's. And so. You know, a lot of the times they're putting out these things that they call studies where they call that they've done where they're implying that they've done some systematic research and they really haven't done it at all. And so, I mean, one of the problems is that that there is a huge amount of trust that nobody will actually look. Because nobody or that if
3: they do look, they'll be shouted down. Right. I mean, and that's 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 been an effective technique
0: a very effective technique because there have been people that have been looking at what happened, you know, and looking at the research because there are you know, to Joshua's point, there are some researchers out there, especially with COVID, that are going, wait a second, we can do like really basic studies. We can look at the the you know, percentage of people that died between the ages of thirty and fifty in the UK that were vaccinated, unvaccinated, we can see that there's a significantly higher death rate for those who were vaccinated right there's a study that they did and they have national numbers because it's all reported by the the uk health service but yet those just get shouted down nobody wants to talk about those and i'm not saying that's end-all be-all maybe the people that got vaccinated were sicker and there's other things that you need right. to check all the things but they're not going we want an answer to answer that question what they want to say is that question's not allowed
3: to be asked right and they're going, it's just, it's demonstrably proven that the opposite is true. I mean, and and, right. and they'll state that the opposite is true and don't want to ask any other questions.
0: So when FDR was pushing this, when Truman was pushing it, because they were the ones that really pushed for the National Science Foundation, when they're pushing it, they're pushing it because they want to control the story. They want to control the truth that's out there. And so we shouldn't, you know, they're saying that they're the best ones to figure out what truth is. They're the best ones to figure out how to do industry. They're the best, right? They're socialists. Right. In every form, and so you know, you need to remember where they come from and where the National Science Foundation's what its roots were and what its purpose was. So we should recognize its purpose was to get to define what truth was, right. get to
3: define what scientific truth was. Everybody looks really modern for Orwell's Ministry of Truth, and the truth is, is that it is. It started a lot earlier. It started by just creating entities that you would look at to go, this is, this is kind of the standard for these things. This is what I look at as the source of these things. They weren't even necessarily fundamentally playing with language in the same way that Orwell was, even though that was going to be the necessary consequence of what they did. But it
0: was the opposite, right? Orwell was looking at what was happening in the UK at the time and said, in you know, 30 years from now, this is what it will be like. Right. This is the natural progression that will happen. And he was wrong, right? He was wrong. It took, you know, right. <laughs> it took 60, 80 years 60, 80, or something yeah. like that. But but the idea of how it would move forward, he was pretty much correct on. Right. And so he was saying that they planted these seeds that basically undermined truth. And in the end, he said there'd be a ministry of truth. And these things were what was the U.K. was doing with its socialism, the U.S. was doing with its socialism. It's not like this was localized. This was the socialistic movement that happens after World War II.
1: And, I mean, it, all of this can sound like we think that scientists are a particular breed of, of shysters. Right. No. And I none of us— What we really mean is humans are. (laughs) Exactly. What we really mean is you look at the prevailing worldview that anybody would have, whether they're a scientist, a mailman, whoever, whatever profession. You just look at those kinds of worldviews and look at how far that worldview has drifted from truth, how far that worldview has drifted from a fundamental basis, believing that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. You start with that and say that's the kind of people you're dealing with and then layer over top of it that there's – government interests that are collectivist you know and and have been since the 30s that are the context in which this search for knowledge or or so-called knowledge to use the Mm -hmm. biblical term um, is happening you're going to say well of course you're going to expect fraud to be produced by something like that you know garbage in garbage out So it's not that we think that all scientists are liars or all scientists are fraudsters. We're just saying it's really easy right now in this kind of a context to push a lie because there's somebody out there who would like to pay you to do it.
0: And I think one thing that's really related to that is not only does somebody want to pay you to do it is people don't care to check. Think about climate change. Well, first of all, climate change started in the 70s where there would be that the new ice age was going to be here. I forget what it was, like 15 years or 20 years that the new ice age would be here. And then they decided everything was going to heat up. And then they decide the polar ice cap, right? Remember Gore in 2005, I think it was, the polar ice cap will be gone by by 2010.
3: Unless they do these very specific things, which were not done. Which were
0: not done. And it's just, there's a point where, the reason they can get away with it is because nobody calls them on it, like nobody does. They keep making, you know, they keep making a hypothesis that's proven to be false, and everybody goes, but your underlying theory was true, even though what it predicted was completely false. It used to be in science that if you come up with a hypothesis and you say, okay, we're going to have a, a test of that hypothesis. The hypothesis is that because the world's warming at this rate, because of the, you know, the the global gases and stuff, the greenho- the greenhouse gases, that it's going to heat at this rate and there will be no ice cap in 2010. Well, those guys should be laughed at now. But they're not. They're still listened to. And this is this is a big problem is we're treating them like they're infallible. Because if you have the sense that man is fallible, like all men are, then you go, well, we should check what they say. But that's not what we want to do as a society anymore.
1: I mean, it it really tells you where commitments are on something like this, because practically speaking, if you say that, let's say that there's this core hypothesis that some thing comes out that challenges it, well, typically speaking, and, and I mean, this has been the case as long as there's been science, typically speaking, the result is not to automatically reject that core hypothesis. Because, you know, typically that core hypothesis is bound up with a whole bunch of other Mm-hmm. smaller little things. And, and usually you say, okay, we're, we're going to dispose of those small things, but we're going to keep our core thing because we really need that. We're really relying on that. And, and you get scientific change when there comes enough pressure that you can't do that anymore. That's how you get a change from, from one scientific theory to another. Where, where you're really changing core ideas, where all of a sudden you say, hey, Newton wasn't right fundamentally. We've got other theories out here that are better, that better explain the phenomena.
0: And I think that, and I would argue that that's just like fundamentally different than what's happening with climate change. Because like Newtonian physics is incredibly useful, right? I mean, Newtonian physics is how most of the things that we do in the world you know, that are designed, they're designed based on Newtonian physics right you don't really need to get into quantum mechanics for if you're building a house Newtonian physics really helps but you know there's a point though that you're saying this is all useful you look at climate change and it's a theory that doesn't have any evidence that it's useful which should make it easier to overthrow but we've accepted it as fact because the government has so much money behind it without ever saying
3: that you know, it sh- needs to be proven. Its use wasn't knowledge; it was power. Right?
1: Its use yeah. wasn't knowledge; it was power. And it doesn't even just have to be the government. It could be my own intellectual commitment. It sure. could be my sure. own intellectual commitment that that humans are bad and we're destroying the world. And look at all of this evidence that I can accumulate to say, "Oh, there's climate change happening," and and you know, you can come to me and say, "Here's evidence against your commitments," but but recognize it's just human psychology, I'm really stuck with those commitments. And it's gonna be really hard to push me off that pedestal.
0: Right, but one thing with climate change in particular is that there were no climatologists until the federal government started funding it. There were meteorologists, but there were no climatologists. That's a new science that was created by government funding. And they created it because they said, here's the theory that we want people to believe.
1: And even talking about climate change, I mean, Climate, Obviously there's climate change well, all the time. Well but but as climate change as a thing, as a as a subject matter, it wasn't it wasn't called climate change. It was called global cooling. And then it was called global warming. And then we realized, oh, we're not exactly sure which way it's going, but it's changing. So we're gonna you know so we kept renaming it in the face of all of the the evidence that wasn't allowing us to say there's a coming ice age or that you know there's this coming we're all going to burn up now it's just like well we're going to have extreme weather events
0: things we're going are, to destroy the things world are well, going all to we know for a fact is we're going to destroy uh, the world we don't know if we're going to destroy it by everybody freezing or everybody burning up but we're going to destroy the all world. all we
1: know is things are changing and we're probably the cause of it actually we're definitely the cause of it so let's throw more money at it
0: right which again, would be one of my arguments as why the government doesn't want science. They don't want knowledge because knowledge just hurts their ability to collect money and to use it as a means for power. That what's useful is to get people to believe it and accept it because then they can use it as a means for power whether it's true or not. And I think that's one of the big differences between having the government fund it and having industries fund it. Because when industries fund research, if it doesn't work, they stop funding it because they are answering on a different, you know, they have a different responsibility. They have a responsibility to provide a return to their shareholders. While the government, if they accrue more power and make people comfortable because they're going, we have to accrue this power to mitigate whatever it is, fill in the blank, then all of a sudden they don't have to be right to have the power to comfort the people. In fact, sometimes they have to being do. right
3: it stands in the way of...
0: Right. It means that if you solve the problem, then you actually lose power. So you really don't want to solve the problem. I mean, even, you know, we've done a few episodes on Roe versus Wade. I mean, Roe versus Wade is like a real undermining of the power of the Republican Party because they used Roe versus Wade for a long time to get people to donate to them, to get them to go knock on doors, to do all this work for them. And now they lost part of their power because... Because they actually accomplish something. And so you have to just recognize government's kind of the opposite of how industry is.
1: The paradox of being Republican. But
0: it's paradox. the same thing when George W. Bush comes in and the first thing he does is add drugs to to Medicare. Well, there's a reason that he does that. The reason he does that is because that's what the, Democrat had u- the Democrats had used to, stat- to prop up their base and to get them excited to give money and to go do the work of getting Democrats elected. And so he basically took the Democratic position so that they'd lose the, you know, they'd lose that source of power.
3: Right. Democrats and racial issues and things like that, as if they actually ever solved some of the problems they Would lose. I mean, there's a part of it where they want the issue. They don't actually want solutions. And that's
0: part of why they have to keep changing what they're arguing, right? Because the reality is that they are getting a lot better. There is a lot more blacks in the middle class. There is a lot more blacks in the upper class. So now it has to be CRT. It has to be about a systemic thing rather than an individual thing because as the problem is being solved by the society, so they can't keep pointing to that problem. So they have to keep changing the problem that they're pointing to to maintain that power base. I mean, one thing, you know, when we talk about science and being able to, you know, take it, do a scientific experiment, one of the ways that you do know, all these journals and stuff is so that other people pick it up and do it again to make sure that it's right. And so Nature Magazine in, I think it was 2016, May of 2016, did a survey of like over 1,500 scientists. And 70% of them said that they tried to reproduce other people's experiments and they failed. Fifty percent of them said they tried to reproduce their own published, you know, scientific experiments, and they couldn't reproduce them. And so when you look at these things that are out there that they're saying, oh, this is science, the reality is we've completely rejected the idea that you should check it. We've rejected the idea that you should prove that it's correct and that other people should pick it up. Because even if you're – if it's one of those – experiments that you've done that shows that you couldn't reproduce their experiment following their methodology, that all of a sudden that doesn't get published. The other one still stays out there. So we've really lost the desire for truth.
2: And I think, you know, I think maybe reject is too strong because, I mean, this is, you know, scientists say this is a big deal. Let's call, you know, it's a crisis. Uh, So there is a recognition, which is why there's an article in Nature saying this is a big problem. But you have, you have, you have, a system set up where you know why is the government going to pay you to redo something that someone else did? You know there's just not an incentive there for them to pay that for it to get published in the journals. So it's it's you know individuals care about it, but then when you get the you know the institution, you end up with there's not that care there.
0: Yes, I was I was talking about societally. We have not that individuals because some individuals tried right the ones that that nature.
1: The surveys, 70%
0: of them tried. But (laughs) as a society and as the government, what we've accepted is that you don't reproduce. And if it's not reproducible, you don't really care because it's got a political
1: agenda to it. You're saying that there's some tension between the idealization that, that reproducibility is a virtue of science, that good science should have this as a healthy part of its functioning, but yet the system that we have doesn't really value that. Right. You know, we we want it, but it's it's sort of like the person who would like to be 50 pounds lighter, but doesn't want to actually go on a diet and exercise. Right. You know, that's kind of where it is right now.
2: Right. Because scientists aren't just people who are interested in this field and you know, their job is just to go to the office every day and say what new can I learn about this? I mean, they're it's very, you know, goal-driven teaching classes, getting funding for research approved by the government, approved by the universities, getting papers published um, in, in journals. So it's very, there's, they're not just people out there who have the freedom to just study whatever they want. It, it ends up being they have to do these things to have a, a successful career.
3: We talked about there was this process to science and, one of the, and the, the reproducibility in other people. There's this idea that there are people without ego who have no, you know, all they care about is the truth. And so they want other people to come and knock down their results. They want other people to come in and show them that they're wrong. That's all they care about is the truth. And whenever you have the evangelists of science come out and they beat people over the head and tell them why they must believe these things, this is one of the features of science that they tout, is that in this holy land of science, everyone wants to only find the truth. And so whenever you go back and you reveal that well, guess what, this actually isn't happening. It doesn't change the way it's sold. No one goes back and goes, well, maybe we should, maybe we should question more. No, 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 you're not allowed to do that. And that's, that's kind of the point here is the fact that when you start taking out the planks that made it useful, there's a certain point where you end up with this hollow shell that really isn't what it was claimed to be in the first place.
0: I think it's shifted over time. Like a peer-reviewed journal where you had an expectation that people like read it in detail and to make sure that there weren't any flaws and that you know that everything that there there weren't any major oversights and things. I think a lot of times people talk about having done peer review now and they haven't even read the article. Right. Which is why they've had computer programmers or computer programs generate articles that get published that are just pure gibberish. Just absolute gibberish, but they've been peer reviewed. Because that's not what the government's paying for. That's not what the university's paying for. They're not paying for the person to sit there and review somebody else's article. They're paying them to produce results, whatever those results are. When Richard Feynman retired from Caltech, he did the commencement address at Caltech. And the whole thing's worth reading. It's where he talks about the cargo cult, and that's how it gets to be well-known and stuff is him talking about the cargo cult in there. But in there, you know... There was a lot of things that I could quote related to this, but I wanted to use this example. But then I began to think, what else is there that we believe? And I thought then about the witch doctors and how easy it would have been to check on them by noticing that nothing really worked. So I found things that even more people believe, such as that we have some knowledge of how to educate. There are big schools of reading methods and mathematics methods and so forth. But if you notice, you'll see the reading scores keep going down are hardly going up in spite of the fact that we continually use these same people to improve their methods. There's a witch doctor remedy that doesn't work. It ought to be looked into how do they know their methods should work. Another example is how to treat criminals. We've obviously made no progress, lots of theories, but no progress in decreasing the amount of crime by the methods that we use to handle criminals. Yet these things are said to be scientific. And he goes on and says that he saw a huge difference when he started on the Manhattan Project, and by when he's retiring. And he basically, in it, he goes, look, I was able to push back, but I don't think in your generation you'll be able to push back. I think you'll just have to give in. And, I mean, it's a very, in a lot of ways, it's a pretty depressing commencement address. He's going, you have a battle to fight, but I don't think most of you will fight it. Because there's such pressure to give the results that
3: people want. The other thing that he says in the same commencement is he talks about how hard it is to know, to actually know something. The most famous experiment that we kind of think of or category of experiment is like running rats through mazes, or running mice through mazes. And he talks about a guy who was doing that and he talks about how that to get the results, he kept having the, the mice be able to figure out where certain things were. And he couldn't figure out how they could. And he he changed the way the paint he used. He changed chemicals to mask the smell. He, and he finally found out that in fact, it was the fact that the the mice could tell by the sound of the floor. And he had to actually put sand down in the, in the maze to keep the mice from being able to figure it out, and if he didn't do that, it would skew his results. And what he and and it's really interesting because when what he means by that is every single person who ever runs mice, if they don't actually have that attention to detail, they're going to have their the results skewed. He's saying if you don't pay attention to the floor, if that's not part of your foundation, and he's and he's not saying that's the only thing you have to pay attention to. He's saying to actually get down to the point where the guy could use what he did to actually tell anything, it took him a ton of work. And he said, "People, but people go back and they just say, I'm going to run them through the maze and I'm going to use the results as if they know something about the results. And this is true in the church. This is true in the world. We don't understand, we don't respect how much work it takes to actually know something.
0: And we just assumed that the scientists do it. And I can tell you a story that I was personally involved with. So there was a there's a university near us where they were doing all the testing of AIDS drugs during the AIDS epidemic. And they were having a computer problem. And they couldn't find it because everybody was scared. Nobody would go in there. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> so you know how much I charge per hour. And they said yes, so that's that's enough. Um, so you get the mask on and all this other stuff. And the issue was is that the way they were doing it is they were doing color readings to determine whether that AIDS virus, the HIV, was dead or not. And so they would put the antibiotics or the drugs that they treated in lots of little vials, and they would do things that to let them go there. And then they'd, they'd read the color. And based on the color, they'd say this is effective or not. And so I get the, the – device working again i mean it was a connectivity problem i get the device working again so i put on a tray of empty test tubes which should be really obvious right you should get all back all zeros and i hit the button and the numbers are all over the place and i go have you ever zeroed this thing they go zero i'm like yeah this button here that says before you do any reading you have to zero it so I pressed that button and now everything came back zeroes. They had never done that and that's where they were doing all the testing for every AIDS drug and all their results were total garbage. They were meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. And so I went and told the director of the, of the lab and she's like, oh, that's really interesting. Did they go back and tell people that the things that they had been doing for a year or two was garbage? I don't think so. And so, I mean, it's a huge problem out there. I don't think we realize, and, and this is a case where they're allegedly doing these things to, you know, to try to create therapeutics for AIDS. And yet, they didn't really care if they worked.
3: Right. I mean, there's a part in here where Feynman really says, he goes, what we're talking about is fundamentally integrity. And he tries to separate integrity from integrity because he goes, it doesn't really matter whether your your scientist sleeps with someone else's wife or whether he does these other right. things. He goes, but when it comes down to science, he better have absolute integrity and and so i mean the fact that Feynman thinks you can separate it that's a problem but he but he wants to separate it in a way that he says to do science you would have to go and tell everyone in fact if you don't go and tell everyone you're not a scientist that would be, and that his, would be ab- his argument. Absolutely. You know, I mean? and so I mean, it it really is worth reading. If you if you haven't ever read it, it's a fantastic article. At the end of it, he says, "I don't think I'll ever get invited to do a commencement address again," and he probably won't because, in the end, he's being way too honest.
2: Isn't he dead too? Him and FDR. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to invite him. <laughs> kind of on on those same lines is you know when he's talking in that quote about how you know our our criminology we're not testing if it works, our education we're not testing if it works. Um, you know you kind of have a problem there w- with science is that now science is supposed to be done apart from God, and so you're you're rejecting you know a basic you know you, first of all you're we've talked about it before you're rejecting you know you end up are rejecting kind of the idea of truth itself in a way but even past that you're rejecting you know the creator who made the world he has told you a lot about how certain areas of the world work and when you're saying you know you can't mention god you can't mention the bible and science you're you're forgetting big things and especially handling criminals and education i mean those are things that god talks about a lot so no wonder that people sitting around you know having thrown out the bible figure out bad things because they've how are they scientific when they're rejecting basic knowledge you know it'd be like you know trying to cure diseases by just you know just starting from scratch not reading any medical scientific textbooks just starting from scratch like let's figure out disease let's ignore all the research that's been done and just figure it out on our own you're not it's not going to end well
0: I mean it is worthwhile when you I mean when you think of Feynman and you know when he grew up and what the state of the country was then and how much struggle he had seeing the people around him. And, I mean, he had to do real, I mean, I've read his autobiography. He had to do real battles with people over these things. But he's basically going, now the country's moved to the point where you shouldn't expect integrity from scientists. I don't expect it from the people he's speaking to that are graduating from Caltech. He's going, it's going to, you know, I hope you can. That's what you should do. You're not really scientists otherwise, but I understand what the pressure will be like. Because the society moves, and as, as I said before, the, the view of the world held by the society really determines what science looks like.
3: And there's a part of it where what Feynman was saying was, is Feynman actually understood people. And there's this part of it where whenever we elevate scientists, when we elevate scientists over everything else, we're pretending like they're not people. We're pretending like that God doesn't tell us who people are, or that they're not fundamentally like we are. 've seen angels. Where, right, right. They're the, yeah.
0: But what Feynman doesn't recognize is that his God is science, which right. is why he's saying you have to have integrity, and if you don't have integrity, you're worthless.
3: Well, that's because you're not worshiping his God. Right. Because he doesn't care if you sleep with your associate's wife. Right,
0: because he's an atheist, right? right. I mean, he yeah. but at the same time, he's going, you know, you, you should be serving the God that I served. And in the end, that doesn't solve the problem. The real problem to stop the hatred of knowledge is fear of God, which brings it back to this is what the church needs to be doing. And, you know, historically, the picture that has been painted is the church has this great fear of science and this great fear of knowledge that it's because it's faith that you don't have to, that the church should reject knowledge. And that's just contrary to reality, right? It's contrary to what Proverbs teaches, that the beginning, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so when we think about what the church needs to do, the church needs to stop worrying what will be found out by scientists because it's God's world. He created it. He designed it. He knows how it works. The The church doesn't need to have fear of that. Instead, what it needs to do is have fear of God.
3: There's a part of it where, I mean, this episode is one of about 15 or 16 episodes that we've done that they're kind of along the lines of, hey, Christians need to think and what are the things that get in the way of us thinking and we're not saying we've necessarily done a fantastic job on the series but we really have tried to set there I mean where you talked about stop worrying about what people do we did an episode on worry we've done episodes on fear we've done episodes on how do we know what we know the church has to recognize that science is under the dominion of God that all knowledge is under under the dominion of God and
0: well Jesus Christ is truth so you can't separate knowledge from right. truth by separating knowledge from Christ.
3: And so that's just, it is just absolutely fundamental. And we've, if you have faith, if you have faith in who God is, you'll recognize that what you can do to affect science is to obey God tomorrow to obey him, to fear him, and do what he's called you to do. And that will affect science in the world. It will affect the practice of science. It will affect the results of science. It will affect the future of it. This is how it changes. It does not. Ch- you don't have to get involved in the rigorous community. You don't have to go to a laboratory. But if you actually pursue and trust in God, you will affect science in the United States and in the world.
0: And part of that is to declare the fear of the Lord to love your neighbor enough to say you need to fear God. It's really fundamental that truth is suppressed because of unrighteousness. So if you want science to be true, if you want to find truth in science, you need to really fight against the unrighteousness and against the denying of God and the the, the denying of who God is. And what we've seen since Darwin is there has been more and more embracing of the fact that there is no God, but yet we can do science. Well, that that isn't how it works. Because if you don't fear God, you hate knowledge. And so what we're doing is we're getting more and more hatred of knowledge by people who say they love knowledge and that they're seeking after knowledge. But in the end, when they say there is no truth, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, it's just a testimony of how much they hate knowledge. It's important that the church looks at science right because it's – in our world, science is trying to – and the government's trying to put science as a master. And science is a good servant but it's only a good servant if it's serving the way it should serve and serving in the areas that it should serve. But it won't get put back into its proper place unless the church does it. Because if you're not starting with the fear of God, people hate knowledge. And so we can't expect people to turn around and try to seek knowledge when the church is afraid to, to say you, ha- you must fear God. The church needs to start and get back to what it's doing if it wants science to be in the place where it should be. Thanks for joining us.
3: This has been The Conquering Truth, a project of Reformation Baptist Church. If you found this helpful, you can visit us online at theconqueringtruth.com and subscribe here or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for watching.